Welcome into the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. We're coming into the Christmas holiday season, folks. And I wanted a little bit of a, a different program as we as we come into the holiday season. I wanted something a little more uplifting, a little something different, but something that stays in the paranormal vein. Uh, next week, we're going to visit with our good friend Bill Bean, who's a, uh, a paranormal demonologist, and he's going to tell an uplifting story, his own story next week, which uh, is quite uplifting. And... I ran across someone who's been featured on Coast to Coast AM, who, when I took a look at her story, I thought, my goodness, what a, what a long, amazing trip she's had. And someone who's had some unusual things happen to her, and someone who I felt had such an unusual story and such a, a wonderful story that I had to bring her to you. And what we do on this show is is a lot of times we tell people stories and present them to you and, and let you kind of see for yourself what other people's experiences are like. And, and sometimes I know some of you have had experiences out there and you feel like you're all alone in, in the experiences that you've had. And maybe by seeing what Terry's experience has been like out there that you won't feel you're so alone. And I know we're in that time of year with Chris, the Christmas holiday where some people feel like they're out there alone. You don't need to feel so alone this time of year. Our guest today is a good one, folks. Our guest today is Terry Lynn Keel. She is a ufologist, a demonologist, and a paranormal investigator. She's a podcaster as well. She's got her own podcast out there. Enigmatic Anomalies, and she's an author as well. Uh, she's about to re-release a book that she has about an alien healing she's experienced. And yes, we'll talk about that here in just a bit. Let's bring aboard right now to Darkness Radio, Terry Ling Keel. Terry, how are you today? I'm wonderful, and thanks for having me. So well, good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, I... I I'm being very vague about your background because I want to I want to start from the beginning and, and walk through and, and tell people a little bit about your background. I, I did quite quite a bit more research than I even let you on uh, <laughs> because I, I was so fascinated by your story. I had actually listened to the reports that you had done uh, with Miss Jones on, on on Coast to Coast AM and. Mm -hmm. I, as, as our audience knows, I, I'd worked with Ian Punnett and Dave Schrader on, on Coast to Coast for, for quite, quite a few years. And for me, I find a lot of the stories on Coast to Coast AM fascinating. I find a lot of the, the guests that I book here on Darkness Radio fascinating. And, and as, a, as a storyteller and a host here on, on Darkness Radio, I feel like it's my job to bring my audience people who have had amazing fascinating experiences and let them inform people that hey this isn't so unusual even though they've had unusual experiences right so terry i have to ask you because it seems like to me when people have these experiences sometimes it starts out when they're very young when was the first time you had any type of paranormal experience 
Well, the first one that really stood out was when I was five. And um, I was in the front yard playing with my brother and the neighbors, and uh, they all wanted to go over and play baseball in the Becker's yard, which was a neighbor of ours at the time. And I didn't want to play baseball. I wasn't really a baseball fan at that time. And so I was just standing in the front yard and I heard somebody calling my name. And it sounded like my dad, but not really. It was a man's voice. And I thought, oh, well, it must be my dad. At five, you don't, you don't try to distinguish. You know, you just, uh, you do what you're told. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking around and, and I didn't see my father. And um, I looked up at the house and in the yard and he wasn't there. And then again, I heard Terry the second time. And I looked again and I thought, well, where is he? Isn't that funny? He's playing a joke on me or something. And I was just in the front yard sitting there for a moment. And then I stood up looking for him. And a third time I heard Terry and I looked up in the sky and there was a man standing in the sky. And I thought, uh, I don't think men are supposed to stand in the sky. No. And a fi- as a five-year-old, it was all I could think of was, I don't think men are supposed to stand in the sky. And I started backing away. And this man had on a long robe and it had a kind of a sash that was moving in the breeze. And it frightened me a little bit. And I turned and started running towards the house mm-hmm. and uh, we were, it was in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. It was a beautiful day outside, blue sky. Everything was normal. Um, I ran in the house and started screaming, daddy, 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 there's a man outside standing in the sky. And my dad looked at me. Uh, he was washing dishes. He was doing something with the dishes there. And he, he had thrown the uh, dish towel over his shoulder and looked at me and said, okay, Teresa, dear, go get ready for your dinner, you know, or lunch or whatever it was we were having at that point. I don't quite remember the verbiage per se, but it was, that's basically what it was. Mm-hmm. And I said, Daddy, there's a man standing in the sky. And he just shook his head and and told me to go get ready, you know? So I did, and what I learned at that point was, when something very bizarre does happen to you uh, as a child, you are to tell your parents immediately. And unfortunately, my dad didn't listen to me. He didn't even question me. He didn't even ask me or go look. And um, anybody listening on your radio, I mean, if, your grandchildren or children tell you something, please listen. That happened. And I mean, you know, I wasn't a sick child. I mean, it was it was clearly a man standing in the sky and it freaked me out. And so that was the beginning of a spiritual happening that I started having. And many, many different uh, spiritual things did happen. But uh, every time I would share anything with my mom or my dad, they literally ignored me. Oh, and no. as a child, you have nowhere to go other than your parents. And so if they're not listening, 
you find yourself very much alone and trying to deal with what's happening because you're being ignored. And uh, it's really very frustrating. So I was on my own little path as a child, and no child should be alone on a path like that. Right. But I started having angelic experiences as I got a little bit older and a very profound and, you know, one minute I'd be in the room by myself and the next minute I wasn't alone. And these were chiseled, perfection, beautiful angels. And they were neither male nor female. It almost seemed like they were both, but more male-ish. And long white hair that came down in curls. And uh, th- they had blue eyes, um, they actually had like a little color at the cheekbone and their lips were a little bit flesh-ish, mm-hmm. but, but they were still a white chiseled perfection. And they sometimes would just point at something and then I would look at what they were pointing at and, and I would then take from there whatever they were showing me. It became a message to me personally. Didn't have anything to do with anybody else. It just seemed to have to do with what they were showing me. Okay. And um, and these were things, again, when I would try to discuss them now a little bit older with friends, friends would kind of, you know, cock their eyebrow at me and like, are, you know, what? And I thought, okay. This obviously is not happening to other folks, at least the ones I'm with. And at that time, I didn't have any uh, friends that told me about reading books about anything like this. So I didn't. I didn't realize anybody else on the planet was having this. I just figured I don't know why it's happening to me. Mm -hmm. Very odd that it's happening to me. Mm -hmm. But they're showing me things. And after the, the one angel came and pointed out the door, I became a missionary to Haiti, uh, the Dominican Republic. And the reason being is when he pointed his finger out the door, a couple who had been uh, planning on going uh, into the mission field pulled right up at the end of his finger as he pointed out the door. And they they were going to be missionaries. So I assumed maybe that's what God wanted me to do, you know. And uh, I've always had a very strong belief in God. I don't know why. My parents were not into God. My family was not into God. Uh, We were raised Catholic, but we were just dropped off on Sundays. And really, Catholicism was just our babysitter on Sundays to give my parents a break. Mm -hmm. You know, so... I really don't know where this deep spiritual connection was happening, but it was happening. Can I ask you this, Terry? Because sometimes, sure. it, and I can only speak for myself, sometimes mm-hmm. you you have this feeling, and it, it's a feeling, it's a deep feeling. Like you feel like you're connected to the universe in ways that other people aren't. Like right. like you feel for somebody deeper than than you feel most people feel or you you feel like issues are heavier than maybe they should be or emotionally you feel like there's a weight heavier than things should be you feel the emotional gravitas of things maybe then you know maybe heavier than they should be or or 
or than heavier than other people do. Does that does that make sense? Um, it or- actually does because the one thing I didn't share was from the time I was five, I would hear the Lord speak to me audibly. And when I tried to share that, people would laugh at me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, you know, um, all right. My little shoulders had to bear a lot of burden of being ignored, being ridiculed, being bullied for my belief, for what had happened to me. It wasn't a belief I created. Mm -hmm. It was a belief that was happening to me, causing me then to understand spiritual things that other people were mocking me about. And because I wasn't connected with a church or a pastor or a teacher or anybody else in my family um, that was leading me or guiding me, I was like, you know, a feather in the wind, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have direction, but all these things were happening to me. And then when I was uh, 21, I had a near-death experience in that um, I was in a situation where I was getting ready to leave my husband and I was... um, making a decision to go in a different direction with another man. And I went over to talk to the other man when my husband knocked on the door and came in. And um, he said, uh, Terry, sit down. I want to tell you something. And then I found out both men knew about what was going on in the relationship. Uh, The man that I was considering leaving my husband for had called my husband and told him, your wife is going to come with me. Well, I was, that was, I didn't know about that. So I was kind of shocked. And I was like, oh, you two kind of are in cahoots about this. I thought I was kind of being sneaky, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so uh, I, I got angry and I said, well, I'm not listening to either one of you. And I turned around and walked out. But when I put my hand on the door to walk out, I heard that voice say to me, That is not the only decision you have to make. And I thought, what? Who's that third voice? You know, my husband's here and this and, you know, Edward was there. And I thought, so who's that voice? And when I turned around and looked back at where the two men were sitting, there was a man standing between both of them. I could see through him. He was very powerful And there was no shadow in the room. And it was the most powerful experience. And I was shocked. I won't go into the whole story because we don't really have time. But the highlight was... Oh, we have as much time as you want. And and I'm curious who this other voice is. So no, please continue. Okay. So as I was standing there, I looked at him and went, wow. I mean, he was gloriously beautiful, more beautiful than anything I had ever seen in my life. And like I said, there was not one shadow in that room. There was like this huge light coming off of him, but it wasn't a light light like you would think. It was powerful. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, who is that? And I kind of looked at him like, hmm, I'll take you forget this one and this one. And (laughs) at that moment, he rebuked me. And it was almost like, and I, I didn't know what rebuking was, I'd never even heard of it. But I experienced it. 
Okay. And my head flew back. It felt like it almost came off my shoulders for having that attitude towards this man standing there. Yeah. And and I said, "Who are you? The Lord?" You know, because I'd heard of the Lord. I'd been hearing him talk to me, but I'd never seen him. And I didn't know, but the power coming off of this being and his words to me were, I am the Alpha and the Omega, your resurrection. And I went, resurrection? And I was very smarmy. And and I said, uh, I'm not dead. I said, I'm 21 years old. I'm in the picture of hell, but nothing wrong with me. What are you talking about? I mean, very smarmy response. And the next thing I know, boom, dead. My body hit the floor so fast. And I found myself in the void. And I was in this dark, dark void. I knew I had hands and a leg and legs and everything like I did when I was alive, but I could not see them. It was pitch beyond pitch. I held my hand up in front of my face knowing I was holding my hand up, but I could not see it. And so I brought it in, in, in until it touched my face. And I was like, okay, my hands are still attached. And I, I sat there. And then all of a sudden, the silence and the darkness came over me with such a fear. I said, oh, my God, I don't want to die. I knew I was dead. I knew I had entered this realm of death. And I started feeling uh, like... A funeral was going to happen. I started feeling like, oh, my God, it's over. Just like that, it's over. One minute I'm in the room and I'm seeing this. And now here I am. And what happened? You know, and I was trying to take an account of what had happened. But I was so afraid in this pitch, pitch dark. I couldn't see anything. So I started crying. And I screamed out, I want to live. I want to live. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I kept screaming. And this went on for a bit. And I don't mean just a little scream. I mean, at the top of my lungs, Mm -hmm. as loud as my voice could go, I was screaming, I want to live. You know, and, and all of a sudden, according to the two men that were in that room that watched me fall, They didn't see the man, but they felt something where as they were not moving, it was almost like they were in a freeze frame. They watched my human body after being down there. Well, let me just say this. As I was there, I fell to the floor in the dark, dark pitch, and I felt this crack at the top of my head after screaming and screaming and screaming. And it went all the way down my body slowly, all the way down to the tip of my large toe. And the crack just separated me open. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what's happening? Am I coming apart? Am I going into two pieces? What's happening? And I didn't know at that time, but somehow or other, I was being delivered from whatever it was in my lifestyle, obviously my sin. Mm -hmm. I've been committing adultery. You know, I've been living in sin. I wasn't this good girl, even though I could hear God, I wasn't listening to him half the time. And, um, you know, because like I said, I was like a feather in the wind. I didn't understand things. Things were happening, but they didn't 
it didn't comprehend to me what what was happening in my life all those years. And so here I am, 21 years old, and and both uh, Richard and Edward, who were in the room with me at that point in this house, at Edward's house, said, your body just rose right up from the floor, not by your hands, not by you using your legs. You literally came right straight up from the floor. And when I was on my two legs again, I could see again, and I was alive, and the man was still there. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're the Lord. And I said, what? What? You know, and he came towards me, and he handed me something, and I couldn't physically see it with my eyes, but I took it, and I brought it into me, and I breathed it in, and and it was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, what, what was that? And And I felt like I had been crowned and weaned somehow (laughs) excuse me and i i felt like i was draped with a drape over my shoulders and i could feel this drape and 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 i i thought what is this and i felt something on my head and i said what what is that and he did not answer me. But as he handed me something, he said to me, and now I want to tell you this. Yeah. I could see the holes in his hands. I could see the carpet through the holes in his hands. And that freaked me out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Jesus. This is the one that calls himself the Messiah. This is this is God. And, and I thought, oh, my God. And as... I'm seeing all of this. He said to me, you are my chosen child. And I said, chosen? Chosen for what? And he didn't answer me. But all these things kept happening spiritually. And he didn't say it out loud. But a couple years later, that night, let me just finish this thought. That night, I I accepted him Mm -hmm. and believed on him. And I've never been the same ever again. My experiences kept happening. I kept seeing, uh, I did see two more angels in my lifetime that just were in the room with me all of a sudden. And I did have very strong uh, demonic attacks. I had full-bodied apparitions that would show up. I had even my grandmother came and I rebuked her and threw her out. I mean, in a full bodied apparition. And this is what brought me into demonology. And I thought, well, if other people are having the same amount of fear that I'm having, I have to help them. I have to do something to help people. I can't let this kind of fear take over people. And in these full bodied apparitions, some of the things I have seen uh, which I write about on terryling.com, they were so frightening. They were life-changing frightening. And and they did completely change my life. And um, I also afterwards had many strange paranormal things happen, you know, things that shouldn't have happened. Um, walking into an ice-cold you know, situation where I lived in Florida. I mean, it was like 85 degrees out and all of a sudden I'm in a room and it's freezing, you know, and, or one day I was making my bed and an indentation. I wasn't making my bed, excuse me. I was folding clothes on my bed Mm -hmm. and there was an indentation on the bed 
where someone sat down. And I'm looking at that going, what? What? How can that be? You know, that kind of stuff will freak you out. I don't care who you are, who you claim to be or what you've done or what you know. That freaks you out. Right. And I, I was like, who's here? Who's sitting on my bed? What is this all about? And I sat down on the bed where it was. And I said, whatever, whoever you are, whatever you are, get out of my house in the name of Jesus. You are not welcome here. I don't know why you would come in this room. Sit down on my bed while I'm folding my clothes. Get out. And through my life, I had probably a hundred of those types of experiences. One uh, was when I started doing deliverances and helping people. Uh, I had gone to a house where a little girl was seeing, you know, black shadows in the hallway And uh, her mother actually saw it and her brother actually saw it. So it wasn't just one person. It was three people that had seen the same thing. I went to the house and cleansed it and it was gone. That night when I got home and I jumped in bed to go to sleep, I closed my eyes and this thing came at me so fast. It came right into my face when I closed my eyes. That very dark shadow being that was at that house had actually, I don't want to say it followed me, but it had come to attack me, Mm -hmm. even though I had cleansed it from that house. And I sat up in bed, I opened my eyes and said, get out. And I used these very specific words, get out that front door now in the name of Jesus, get out that front door now. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid. I have zero fear of enemies, the enemy in any, any, type of way it comes because once you walk with god i mean (laughs) he's so powerful everything else is just very minimal and so you know i just get angry at these spirits and come right at them and uh the next morning my husband was getting up to go to work at like 5 30 in the morning and he we had flipped on the outside porch light because it was still a little bit dark but it was getting light Mm -hmm. a thousand dead bugs at the front door. You. I took pictures of it. It was absolutely unbelievable. And he said, oh my gosh, Terry, look at this. There are a thousand, if not 2,000 dead bugs at the front door. And I thought, oh, I cast that spirit out last night. And I said, get out that front door. And he killed all those bugs as he left that door. Demonic forces have power. They have a lot of power depending on where they're coming from and how they they are coming. And we need to be aware of that. You know, in in this life, uh, people seem to think, you know, playing with a tarot or playing with, you know, Ouija boards and all this is just game stuff. It's not game stuff. Mm -hmm. The seed of Satan is here with us as true and as real as God is. So is Satan. So is the cohort that fell with him, a third of the angels in heaven. He's a very powerful spirit. And there are many familiar spirits, lustful spirits, perverted spirits, tons of spirits. And they're all from the fallen, you know, angelic realm. And they're here. And people don't realize You know, I mean, even if you look in the Bible, it talks about the Nephilim, the giants and, you know, men who were uh, half angelic, fallen angelic and half human. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're still amongst us. Mm -hmm. You know, we have we still have giants. We still have all these different things, maybe not in, you know, every city and in every state, but they're still alive and here and amongst us. And um, 
so are the, so is the demonic realm and that paranormal realm. Very true. So, uh, uh, Terry, yeah. I'll tell you what, let's take our break here. When we come back, I have a very interesting question I want you to ponder here during this, this quick break, and that's this. Okay. So God has come to you, has said you're, or Jesus has come to you, come to you, said you are the chosen one. I want you to ponder this during the break, mm-hmm. and this is a two-part question here. <laughs> one, you still have these demons that are appearing before you and are challenging you. And uh, and are trying to get to you. And then, two later in the program, we're going to talk about an alien healing. But you're still saying uh-huh. that Jesus is very powerful and still can do some powerful things. Why sure would you enough. need the assistance of an alien to heal you? That's the second part of this question. When we come back. <laughs> I have an answer. Okay, that's great. <laughs> when we come back, uh, more with Terry Ling Keel. Uh, by the way, we do have uh, in the description of this program a link to Terry's website so you can uh, check out Terry. She's got some great stuff there. She's got a link to her uh, podcast so you can listen to her podcast. She's got more great stuff there. She also has a blog that is incredibly interesting, folks, with some more stories about things that have gone on in her life. The blog has got some amazing things in it. It has got a few creepy things in it as well that have happened. Um, you've got to read the blog. I, I got to tell you, I when I was doing research on Terry, there were some amazing things on the blog as well. Again, more with Terry and Lynn Keel when we come back right here on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Terry Lynn Keel, ufologist, demonologist, paranormal investigator, podcaster. And before the break, we learned now is a chosen one that has been uh, deemed by Jesus to be so. Now, I had posed the question, Terry, that... Um, you'd been you'd been deemed so by Jesus, but yet here you are being visited by different realms or, or different demons from different realms, and they're not playing nice. They're uh, they're they're testing you. They're challenging you. Um, they're visiting you, not just visiting your home, but they're they're trying to torture you within your home. Why? I mean, if if you've if you've been given this this mantle, so to speak. And, and you're casting them out. Why do they keep coming back? Why can't you cast this bit of protection around you and and then live life just carefree and and enjoy life? Why why the constant challenging and and messing with you? Well, those are good questions, and here is the answer. You know, the the fact that. I am challenged by these demons is is very real. And the reason being is I'm learning. I'm in a process of learning. The scriptures tell us that know ye not that ye will judge angels. And I think this is part of my training here. This is a place where we learn, where we ask, seek, knock, we grow, we find our place, we find our purpose. Well, if we're seeking, we do. And I'm seeking, 
I'm always seeking the Lord and I need to be trained uh, just because these things happened to me didn't mean I knew all the answers or everything that was going to happen in the future. I'm not psychic. Mm -hmm. I'm a child of God. And so when these things would happen, the Lord would walk me through them to build not just my faith in him, but to know that that's where I come for my information. I go to the scriptures to find out how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? And I read the Bible and see what all the men of antiquity through all the eons and generations of men from the garden till today you know, how they dealt with things or what they walked through. And this is how I gained my understanding. So I have a firm foundation. And yes, the enemy is always going to attack anybody who is seeking God. I mean, I'm his favorite uh, attack person in a way. I mean, we all are. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there's anything special about me. There isn't. I'm just like the next guy. But this is my journey. Mm -hmm. And so... You're always going to be attacked by the enemy. He is always going to attack me. I'm going into people's homes and setting people free. I'm giving them information. I'm giving them valuable information for how they can prevent some of these things happening. Just because a a spirit comes at you and you get deliverance from it does not mean other spirits are not going to still test you and come at you. It isn't going to be the identical same spirit. But there are always plenty of uh, paranormal, demonic, spiritual uh, entities that are going to come against you. And this is how we learn. And so knowing I'm going to judge the angels, because that's what it says in the book of Revelation, that we will judge the angels, we will judge the nations, um, It's a very big picture, and depending on how strong your faith is and what you really understand about the scriptures, um, you, you find that every experience you go through is a point of teaching and something that gives you, uh, wisdom in how to deal with this situation or that situation. And so I'm always looking at ways to help people. I can't help them if I don't know how to help them or how they see something or what they've chosen to believe. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, we're free will agents. We can believe anything we want. We can do anything we want. And I think what I'm doing is being taught how to deal with all these different people, personalities, spiritual issues, demons, Uh, fallen angels, um, and even the extraterrestrials. Now, yes, they're very real. You might go, oh my gosh, not extraterrestrials too. Yes, extraterrestrials too. God created so many things, and all the things that he created are not just on the earth. (laughs) There is a huge cosmos out there, and he has created everything in that cosmos. And so, you know, all we can do is is experience what we experience here and then take it from there and learn walk forward with it and in uh 1979 i was coming home from work and it was about two o'clock at night i had left my job and i had gotten into my city st petersburg florida and there was a ufo hovered over railroad track okay and 
I thought it was a train because I thought I'm a Christian. I don't believe in UFOs. I don't believe in extraterrestrials. So I I'm looking at this thing as I'm getting closer to it. And all of a sudden my car shuts off and I'm like, Lord, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Why would you show me this? This is not true. This cannot be real. But nothing can happen to me that you don't allow. And you're allowing me to see this. Why would you allow me to see this crap? It's not real. This is comic book entertainment. And the Lord said to me, there is so much you do not understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no kidding. If you're telling me this is real, what do I do with that? And then I'm looking through my little Honda Civic window mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, look at that thing. And my car comes to a complete stop. I'm less than 200 feet away from it. And there's a blue light going around the center of it. And I'm like, wow, that what the heck? You know, and I mean, I could not believe it. And I said to myself, Terry, my God, whatever you do, don't get out of the car. The minute I said that, my hand is on the doorknob. I'm opening the door and I'm getting out of the car. And I'm like, what the heck? How did I get out of the car? Lord, how did that happen? I didn't open that door. And I'm holding onto the door jam now, looking at this thing going, oh, my God, that thing is freaking beautiful. What the heck is that? You know, and as I'm looking at it, I'm getting so caught up in it and I'm just freaked out at the the beauty of it. It, it looks like it's a, a living craft. It's so beautiful. There's not a there's not a rivet or a nail or a window or a door. It's just hovered over that railroad track and and I'm going, how in the heck does that happen? And the next thing I know. I'm standing there, and I don't know how long I'm standing there, but all of a sudden, I'm about two feet off the ground. I'm not on the ground. And I'm like, what? How can that be? I am not on the ground. How can that be? And the next thing I know, there's a huge blue light, like the one going around the center of this one that I'm staring at, to my right. And as I look over there, I'm like, what in God's name? is that and i said to the lord out loud i'm not looking at that i am not looking at that and this tall white with a thin long neck and a big head with huge eyes and long long arms and thin legs thinner than you could expect to see on anything that could possibly be alive so freaky ugly and i was like i'm not i'm not looking at that i'm not looking at that and it was too much in my in my right eye peripheral vision and the next thing i know he controls me turns me and i'm going in that direction and to my shock there is a second craft landed beyond that area where he's standing the next thing i remember is freaking out so so freaky i wake up inside this craft and in the craft i'm laying down and i still have my my uniform on you know from work and i raise my head and i see my red uniform on me and i see my little sandals on my feet i had these this pair of brown sandals and i'm like okay i still have my shoes and my clothes on and i'm like but where am i and i'm in this room that's pretty big and it's all white and it's glowing. The, the, uh, the, 
the light wasn't light bulbs like we use. It was uh, permeating out of the ceiling, out of the floor, out of the walls, everywhere. It was like a white glow coming out of the ceiling, floor, and walls. And I'm like, what? 1979, we didn't have that kind of concept stuff. Yeah. You know, we didn't have fiber optics. We didn't have crazy blue lights. We didn't have any of that. 1979, yeah. okay? Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, what the heck? Where's that ugly thing? And just about that time, I looked down at my feet, and there's these two, what we now, I know, call grays, by my feet and one has his fingers long weird ugly figure and and he was they were as ugly but in a different way as that tall white i had seen and then i thought where is that tall white and the minute i said that he was right there looking down at me and i looked up and i went right into his eye i could see right into his eye and i'm like oh my god and I heard him say without speaking, he had no mouth, no nose, no ears, but huge eyes. And he was speaking to me through mental telepathy. And he said to me, we will not harm you. We will not take you. And I'm like, take me, take <laughs> me. Where? You know, I'm like, what the heck is going on, Lord? And the next thing I know, I was out. Huh. And the next thing I know, I'm standing back in front of my car and now I'm in front of my car and the, the one in front of me is still hovered, but I am not the same girl that went into that craft. Something has happened between my right and left ear. And I am now thinking very, very differently. And I'm saying, don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. Whatever you do, don't leave me here. And, and I'm like, what? What are you saying? You said that out loud. Oh, my God, Terry, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, why would you say something like that? And then again, oh, my God, please don't leave me. Please take me with you. And I'm like, Terry, shut up. Are you kidding me? Shut up. Don't talk like that. So I'm having this inner battle. One side of me is asking for them to take me, and the other side is is taking this stance of you idiot shut up and i'm like what is going on here lord come on you know and it didn't make sense to me and he didn't answer me right then he had already spoken to me and said there's so much you do not understand and i thought well why is he letting me go through all this why do i have to know about this crap i don't want to know about this you know and and yet I was going through this experience, just like all the spiritual and all the paranormal and all the demonic stuff, all the angelic stuff. Now I've got to go through this. And I'm like, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. That was my favorite quote of all the words I said in the 70s was, you've got to be kidding me. Because he kept showing me things over and over and over. And I'm like, why is this so weird? I thought we were just born and we were in a family and we all lived happily ever after. And it was a beautiful life. Not, not my life. It was crazy. Terry, I have to ask you a question real quick. You say that, yeah. you say that, you you didn't want to be anywhere near them, and all of a sudden you're asking them to take you uh, take you with them. To me, that almost sounds like Stockholm syndrome. 
you know, like like <laughs> you'd been taken and, and all of a sudden, not that you'd fallen in love with your captors, but no, you, you didn't no. want to be separated from them for one reason or another. Do you feel like at that point when you were with them that you had been biologically changed for one reason or another? You said you felt different. I was very different. Uh, I thought differently. I all of a sudden did not see them as a threat or an enemy, or I saw them as off-world neighbors. I wasn't afraid all of a sudden. I was okay with them. Whereas previous, I was like, I don't believe in this stuff. This is comic book entertainment. You know, I, I made a real shift. But remember, nothing can happen to me that God doesn't allow. So he allowed that. This was part of my training. Little did I know, 29 years later, sitting on a couch in St. Petersburg, Florida, 29 years later, I hear a voice, Terry, go to the computer, report your sighting. That's all it said. I get up, I go, okay. I get up, I go to the computer and I go, gee, how do you do that? Uh, Report a UFO. Up comes MUFON. Never heard of MUFON before in my life. 29 years later, I remembered it like it happened last night. Everything came back to me in perfect detail, and I was now reporting it. And then that was it. I sent it off. They called me. They said, are you sure there's not more that happened to you that you're not remembering? And I'm like, oh, no, I remember this. That's what happened. And then... I started getting the remembrance back of all the different things that happened. Two years later, 2010, that was 2008, was my first uh, report to move on. Two years later, never thought about it again. I'm sitting on the same couch, looking at the same magazine, Town Country, and all of a sudden the same voice, go to the computer, revisit your sighting account. Okay. I get up, I walk to the computer, now, what was the name of that thing? Muffin or something at an M. And then I reached into my file cabinet, found MUFON, dialed it up, become a field investigator. Click. I become a field investigator. I'm like, why am I doing this? What are you doing? Why am I doing this? This is like fringe. This is crazy. And within four years, I was asked to be on the board of directors. <laughs> and I'm like, What? God, why would you want me to be on the board of directors? What what do I need to know here? And so I kept learning about the extraterrestrial realm. I had many other experiences with extraterrestrials after that. And I started this whole concept changed about, you know, we're alone in the universe. Now I knew the universe is full of life that God created, and it's all very different. We are created in his image. We have one nose, two ears, two eyes, and a mouth. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the things that have been created, like horses, dogs, cats, fish, frogs, they don't look like him. We do. Everything else in the universe is different than we are. We're the only thing created in his image. We're the only ones that share a lineage with the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And even that is just a whole nother deep uh, ocean we could talk about. But we 
that would have to be another time. Sure. But, you know, there's so many things that all connect the three, six, nine, you know, the, the big picture in life, you know, there's so many things that connect here. This is a very deep, deep, deep subject. And I came to know that extraterrestrials are very real and non-threatening unless we're threatening. Mm -hmm. If you shoot them, they're shooting you back, you know, and you won't win that battle, by the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have different technology. Uh, They come from a completely different place. They are 100% other than us. They are nothing like us. We don't have sex with them. They don't have the wherewithal to have sex with us. Angels have the wherewithal to have sex with women. That's biblically in the scriptures. Extraterrestrials do not. However, they can hybrid create us. This is a fact. It's a Petri dish, just like we did with Dolly and, you know, the woolly mammoth. And I'm sure the Chinese have already created humans in the, in the, (laughs) well, that's another deep story Mm -hmm. we won't go into, but you know, um, all these things are very real. And this world we live in is just so amazing and the experiences are so incredible uh i i I can't say that enough but anyway back to your question about you know the challenging demon thing and and you know why these things keep happening all of the things that have happened to me over my lifetime have been to teach and train me to be ready for that next step None of us are getting out of here alive. We are all going to die. We will all lay the carcass down, and then our spirits will move forward from there. This, I'm positive. I've had the near-death experience. I've seen it. I know we move on. We move on as pure creatures. What we take is the love. This is about love. This is a very strange place. Some of us find all these answers and some of us make all these connections and others of us don't. Some people can go their entire life and not experience anything. I am not one of those people. (laughs) What happens if we don't? What happens if we don't? Yeah, if we don't find love. What happens if if we don't make the connection? What happens if we... We go through our entire lives filled with greed or hate or or we don't learn the lessons. Oh, that is such a good question. I do believe there are two seeds. There's the seed of the good and the seed of the evil. And I believe that people who choose. Now, some of us are, are going to get to the end and our lives haven't been evil. We just hadn't made any choices. But then there's the other ones who truly are evil. And those have their own destiny waiting for them. Those of us who choose love, we have our destiny waiting for us. Just because we're loving doesn't mean it doesn't rain on the good and the bad. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And bad things happen to bad people all the time. You know, it's a free free will world we live in. And the person that never made the decision, never finds love, never gives love, lives a very selfish life, I believe they have to go through something in the end before they leave. A decision has to be made. And remember when I put my hand on the door and I was meeting Jesus for the first time and I was getting ready to leave both Richard and Edward in the room and Mm -hmm. I put my hand on the door 
they had said to me, you need to make a decision. And I said, I don't need to make a decision. And then I heard that voice say, that isn't the only decision you have to make. And I turned around and thought, who is talking? Mm -hmm. So it's about decisions. And we all have to make decisions in this life. So it's like a cocoon, if you will, here. It's a learning ground. That is what this life is all about. It's about learning. You know, regardless of who you are, if you aren't loved, then what are you learning? You're learning. I haven't been loved. But does that mean you choose not to love? You know, what does that mean? And how do you interact with that? So uh, depending on our age, how many years have we been here? How long will it take us? Some people get saved when they're nine, six, seven. I got saved at 21. Some people get saved in their 80s. I just saw a man at our church, I think he was 89, get baptized. For the first time in his life, he accepted Jesus Christ. I think he was 89. And I'm like, wow, I did that at 21. And, and you know, look at this. Look at how different we all are mm -hmm. because it's a free will thing. Interesting. And, and and people who haven't made a decision yet, their life isn't over yet. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, not until your last breath, that's for sure. <laughs> right. So there's always always somebody that you may interact with, something you may hear, something that might happen. Like tonight, my uh, cousin's husband is in the hospital having open heart surgery. Uh, will he live? Will he not live? Will he make a different choice than what he's made in the past. You know, we don't know what will happen to us. We don't know how things will turn out until that last moment, you know, so it's all about our choices. I want to bring up a scenario about that open heart surgery with you and, and see where you fall on this, Terry. Um, that, I had I had a, a heart ablation in February. They didn't put me completely out, but I had a, a freaky experience where I woke up three times on the table. Um, mm, which, ouch! <laughs> yeah, it was one of those fighting spirit type things where I didn't I didn't want to go quietly into that good night. I guess. Um, <laughs> but with with a lot of open heart surgeries with bypass surgeries, they do they do slow the heart down to nothing. And yeah. you have a lot of people who experience having uh, near death near death experiences. I know mm -hmm. my mother's father, my grandfather, believes he went to purgatory. He described yes. going to uh, like what he described looked like a waiting room where he had to feed an entire room of rabbits as far as he could see, and at the same time he had to clean up their poop. So at this, he was feeding with one bucket and cleaning with another, and he said it never ended. And it was frustrating. Mm, um, interesting. I'm curious uh, where where you stand on that, Terry. With, with your cousin's husband, what do you? Where do you think this person will be? Um, I I believe he will he will definitely be with the Lord. Uh, they both are Christians. They believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. and you know it does say in the scriptures if you believe in. If you believe, then you will be. If you don't believe, then I believe something will happen and you'll be asked that question. Okay. Because I have had a lot of friends who have uh, 
said they had their near-death experiences and they didn't believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. They had just never made their mind up about it one way or the other. But when we leave here, uh, we do go like, like when the, when the Lord died on the cross, there was a guy that was a bad guy and a guy that hadn't ever made up his mind. And he said to God, I'm going to choose to believe in you. And he, and Jesus said to him, truly this day you will be with me in paradise. You know, so that gives us a hint there that there is something really great that can happen. Mm -hmm. And the other guy was like, no. So that's a picture, a story that shows us that we have a choice. We have a, always have a choice and he will give us that choice. And he knows our hearts. He knows why we choose or why we wouldn't choose. Um, do people not uh I think the question you're looking for is what if people just decide that they don't want to believe that? Yeah. And yeah. Um, what happens to them? Sure. I've never been dead for sure and forever. And the only thing I know is what I can take from, from what I understand. I can't teach on something I don't know. Okay. I can only teach on what I understand and what I know okay. and sharing my heart in my own near death experience. I have a girlfriend who had a very negative one, like mm -hmm. your friend that was cleaning up the poop. She was in a dark, dark, frightening place and she came back okay. and you know, you can watch tons of videos on people's experiences and kind of make up your own mind. Free will. Let me ask you this now. I'm I'm kind of getting the idea from what you had you had talked about about aliens being just part of an extended universe under God under Jesus. We're we're all part of the same gang, so to speak. I mean, that was a song in the '90s, wasn't it? Uh, we're all in the same gang. Um, but uh, so when when we talk about and, and I, I'm going to get outside, and I, and I get that you've had some experiences here that are kind of outside what what would be, what's the word I'm looking for here, outside the canonical norm or outside of the biblical norm, because you, you would, uh, when we talk about healings or laying out of hands, mm -hmm. um, that could be looked at one way or another, depending on which church you go to, I guess. Sure. And I'm not going to split hairs here between one <laughs> yeah. church or another. Okay. Um, Lots of doctrines and theologies. <laughs> that's right. So we won't, we won't, we won't, we won't talk that's about right. any of them. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. Let's, let's get down to brass tacks on this subject. Tell me okay. how, how this alien healing happened and how you came about it. What happened exactly with it? Yeah, that was a shocker. Okay. So I had a surgery in 2000. It was a life and death surgery. I had to make a choice to have this surgery. Um, I uh, had a large intestine that had colitis and Crohn's and it was rotting within my body and okay. really getting nasty. I mean, it was really getting nasty. And um, they told me if it didn't come out, it would turn into cancer and it would definitely kill me. 
And the doctor said, this has got to come out now. So I interviewed six surgeons, found a surgeon that would do it the way I wanted to do it and at least try. And I thought, well, if I die in the process, I know where I'm going. It's all right, you know, Mm -hmm. but be great if I would live. So anyway, so I went to Tampa General. I had the surgery and they took out my large intestine eight and a half hours later, hooking me back up to myself. uh, There was a little bit of an issue with that surgery and I had a bleed. And the bleed, they couldn't really locate it. It was it was shooting out and they could see it, but it was uh, not really as easy to detect as they had thought. So for six weeks, I healed. And then after the sixth week, they had to go back in again. And I'm like, oh, it was so horrifying. Another surgery, another eight-hour surgery. So there I was, and I'm back under. And they finally get this bleed stopped, and uh, they send me home to heal. And uh, it never stopped hurting. The bleed was stopped, but the pain was off the charts from it. And so uh, I just learned to live with the pain. And I thought, well, I could cry about it all day long and I could, you know, I could uh, be a real pain in everybody's rear. But I guess this is my new normal and I'm going to accept it. And let's just pray that God heals me. Well, he didn't. Twelve years later. I'm not praying about it and I'm not even thinking about it. This is my new norm. I've got this terrible pain on my right side. It's been with me for 12 years on and off, sometimes worse than others. And so uh, I go to bed that night, and in the middle of the night, I hear my name called, Terry. And I wake up, and I might tell you that this happens to me frequently. I hear my name called at night a lot. I've been taken out of my body. I've been taken to different places. But this night was not one of the spiritual happenings. This, This night, I heard somebody call my name. It was very deep. It was very gruff. It was different. And I'm laying, looking to the uh, north, and then I'm rolling over to see who's talking to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. And it stopped me in the half roll. And never in my life had I conceived that you could see something like this. And there at the side of my bed was a four-foot reptilian. And I'm just like, no way got to be kidding me and and it was frightening and he was very colorful and he was very lizard like and i thought i you got to be kidding me god you got to be kidding me and as i'm looking at him i'm getting i'm starting to see it's almost like there was more light in the room that was actually in there it was about four o'clock in the morning something like that and It wasn't light, but there was a street light right out front. And then there was a light attached to the house that brought enough light into the bedroom through the window because it shined on our Titan so that nobody would steal it. (laughs) And uh, it would come in the window. This light came in the window and it it did illuminate the night uh, in the room. But it was almost like I could see better than what that light would have done. And I could see clearly all these different colors. There was greens, there was yellows, there was red. But I noticed this weird uh, circle around this uh, reptilian's eye that was kind of a black with some red. It was very weird. He had a snout, like I said, like a lizard. I didn't see a mouth. I didn't see nostrils. But I could see these big eyes. 
and and he wasn't that tall and I could have reached right out and touched him but I did not and I just froze and he spoke to me and said be still that's all he said and I'm like yeah I must have been trying to move or something because I don't remember moving but he told me to be still and with that I could see that he had this thing in his hand. All of a sudden, I just see it. it. I don't remember seeing it before that. And he had it in his clawed hand. It was like it wasn't a hand like you and I have. It had claws on it, like a dog's paw almost, but without the paw. Okay. And it, with the, those long fingernail things like nails, like talons kind of. And so he's holding this thing and it's straight. It's just like straight like that, but then there's a Y at the end of it, and both of the Y pieces were moving in independently of each other, and I was like, oh, my God, what the heck is that? And it was they were very long and spindly, and the one was wrapped real tight like you would see a fern, a green fern, like, you know, um, in in a biological, uh, like an in a garden and and it was wrapped real tight but the other one had like this little spade like uh thing like a suction tip on it and the whole thing was almost like that color gray weird weird weirdly enough i'm showing you a gray pen yep, yep and it had it had um gray tentacles like that of a uh octopus and and i thought oh my god the thing is ridiculous looking what is he going to do with that and then when he said be still he went in vaginally and attached once outside attached to me and the other one went inside and started wrapping real quickly it was like i could see it in my mind's eye attaching this area on my right side that was really really sore and and it started squeezing and all of a sudden, I was feeling tingling and heat and squeeze, tingling and heat and squeeze all at the same time. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what is it doing? And, you know, I'm I'm actually really freaked out. And I'm just thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. How can this be happening? Uh, it's going to blow. It's going to explode. I'm going to burst. There's going to be a bloodbath in my bed. And And I thought, what is this? What is going on? And it just kept getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And finally, I took my hands and I brought them up to my face like this, waiting for the for mm-hmm. blood to start gushing out of me mm-hmm. internally. Yep. And I, I'm just like this. And I'm just sitting there like that going, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, oh, my God, what is going on? What is this? And and then it stopped. I could feel it not being quite as tight anymore. I could still feel the vibration. I could still feel the heat. But it wasn't tight anymore. And I just kind of sat there still like this. And then the next thing I know, I I take my hands away from my eyes and I'm in the room by myself. And I'm like, what? And my husband was in bed with me. He never woke up. He never heard me. He he I just laid there. So I just laid there and I laid there. And and an hour went by and another hour went by, five o'clock, six o'clock. And he gets up. I hear him get up, go take a shower, get ready for work. I hear him getting dressed. I hear him shaking his keys, getting ready to go out the front door. I thought, should I talk to him? Should I tell him what just happened? And I thought, no, I can't even understand what just happened. I can't talk to anybody about it. I don't even know what just happened myself. Yeah. And I just kept laying there. 
the tingling was still happening. Really? And I'm like, the tingling hasn't stopped. What is going on? No more, no more heat, no more pressure. But the tingling had, it was still this weird tingling. And so I, uh, what was laying in bed until about nine and I couldn't make myself get up. I, I just kept laying there. I don't know why I kept laying there, but I couldn't get up. And I kept thinking about getting up, but I never did get up. And then finally, all of a sudden at nine o'clock, I get up and I go, oh my God, I got to call somebody. I got to tell somebody about this. You know, I've got to tell somebody about this. And my mother had passed away, you know, so I couldn't call my mom. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I was work. I was uh, with MUFON at the time, and my one of my best friends was Kathy Martin, mm-hmm. and my other best friend was uh, Denise Stoner. And I thought, okay, let me call them. You know, let me just call Kathy and tell her what happened to me. So I call her, and she goes, "Oh my God, Terry, that's bizarre." And she goes, "You need to call Denise and talk to Denise. Tell Denise what happened and see what she has to say about this." You know, and and I said, okay, and I'll call you back. And so I called Denise, and Denise goes, Terry you know, have you, have you gotten any swabs on this thing? And I said, swabs? No, no, no. And, you know, here I am, a certified field investigator. I know to get swabs. I know to do all these things. I'm not doing them. Because right. I'm in just such a place. I'm in shock. I'm like, what the heck just happened to me? A reptilian, a four-foot colorful reptilian was here. And I don't get this, you know. And and so they're walking me through it, and they're going, you're in shock. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a hard time handling this because that was bizarre. Okay, Terry, that was really bizarre. And if that happened to me, I'd be a little freaked out too. And I said, okay. So I got a swab and I put it in a Ziploc, threw it in the in the freezer. And uh, and I stayed on the phone with, with Denise. And then I called Kathy back and talked to her for a while. And nine hours later, I'm still having the tingling. But... I'm not in pain. My right side doesn't hurt anymore. And I take my hand in a fist and I boom, boom, boom. And I hit my side and I go, what? What? How could aliens heal? How could they do that? Why would they do that? Is this a trick? You know, and I'm like, Lord, you got to be kidding me. What the hell is that all about? Why would they be allowed to do it? Or or nothing can happen to me that you don't allow this. You allow this. What are you showing me? What does this mean? You know, what does this mean? And of course, he doesn't answer me. It's an experience I have to walk through. I have to grow through. I have to come to an understanding with. I have to learn and understand what is going on. And that was a struggle for me. And it was very hard for me to talk about because, uh, I'm a Christian and mm-hmm. I just got healed by an alien. And, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? And there was, and so Oh, I'm sorry, they, Terry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There was never no, any we'll do this for you and you do this in exchange for us. There was never any tete-a-tete with any of this. Nope. The only thing that came to my mind was we're created in his image. We all have certain talents. Like my husband is a guitarist. Yeah. I sing, you know, I teach, I'm a teacher. I do different things. I'm a blogger. I'm a writer. And 
some people uh, play the accordion. Some people play the piano. Some people are artists. Some people, uh, you know, skydive. Some people uh, fly planes. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all have different talents as human beings. None of us have all talents. We have some. Yeah. The Lord explained to me they are created and they also have different gifts and talents. They're very different than you. They're more advanced in some ways than you are, but they are not above you. We are his chosen possessions. We are the apple of his eye, but they exist too. And they have talents too. And obviously this reptilian could heal me. And so I'm like, oh my God, okay, Lord, you know, I don't get it. Why would you allow me to go through that? And then I found out hundreds of people have had these kinds of experiences. Well, it's the first time I ever heard of it, and it's the first time I have experienced it. But again, he's walking me through this, and I'm trying to understand what life is all about and what all these different things mean in our lives. And I'm intrigued. Yeah. And I'm hanging in there. Yeah. And, you know, and so... Seven years later, I get a call from Debbie Ziegelmeyer. She's on the board of directors with me. And she says, hey, Terry, do you still have that swab that you took that night of that alien healing? I said, yeah, it's in the freezer. And she goes, Has it, it's been there for seven years. And I go, yes, it's been there for seven years behind the meat and the you know ice cream and every other thing. It's back in the back. And it's frozen stiff. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to have a uh, geneticist contact you from the lab and I want you to send it for, you know, if you are willing to have it tested. And I said, okay. So I said, I'll do that. Anything to help mankind to understand what we're dealing with here. So I took the swab and she sent me a protocol Mm -hmm. and a sterilization protocol kit. And I had to give my DNA along with, uh, gloves, pulling this thing out, putting it in a sterile environment, sealing it and shipping it off to the lab. So I did everything according to protocol and uh, it got to her and she started doing all these tests on it. And she called me and said, my God, Terry, you're sitting down. And I'm like, well, should I? I'll sit down. You know, so I sat down and I said, can I put you on speaker? My husband's right here. And she goes, yeah, go ahead. She goes, Terry, your DNA is on here but there's another DNA on this swab. And I go, oh, okay, well, I'm not surprised. (laughs) You know, that seems like that's what should be on there. You know, and she said, yes. And um, if you'll give me permission, I'll try to find where this DNA is coming from. And I said, okay. So she starts looking through all these animals, all these snakes, all these reptiles, all this stuff, birds, everything, you name it. She finds a match. It's the Tegu lizard from South America. Whoa. On my swab. My DNA, his DNA. And I have all the documents, all the pictures of all the different machines she used for this. And so she called me back and says, Terry, I've identified your visitor. He's a hybrid of this because this, along with, are you ready for this? Pond water, 
is on your swab. And I said, pond water? <laughs> you know, come on. I'm like, you're kidding. So this thing had been in some type of pond water. And this lizard came somehow to be a hybrid of this reptilian. And it was on my DNA. So she sent me everything. I wrote a little book about it, put the book up. I'm now adding a lot more information to it since, you know, uh, I had little bits of information. Now I have a lot more information about it. So um, that's on Amazon and it's called um, uh, a benevolent uh, extraterrestrial healing and uh, just Terry Ling you know, my name, mm-hmm. Terry Lynn Keel. Yep. And um, it, it, it still shocks me that that happened. I got the swab, I got the DNA and, you know, the rest is history. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month, but the Lord never ceases to amaze me. So, you know, I just hang in there. I, you know, whatever he allows me to go through, I'm sure it's preparing me for that next level. Once I leave here, whatever it is we're doing, we don't float around on clouds and play harps, okay? Okay. It's a whole different world. It's a whole huge existence, and it's an eternal one. So we're being prepared here for there. And obviously, I'll be as busy there, I think, as I've been here. <laughs> It, that's what I've been chosen for. It sounds yeah. like it. So so let me ask you this. Uh, and as we get ready to, to kind of close it up today, and we'll have to have you back, Terry, because it sounds like there's many more adventures we could talk to you about here. Um, <laughs> there are. <laughs> when we talk about, you know, you talk about the, the psychic side of things, and when you talk about psychics, is there such a thing as, alien um alien psychics or psychic uh spiritual guides or spirit guides uh or is that when we're talking about psychics in general do you kind of throw that to the side and say no that doesn't deal in my realm is that something completely different are we not dealing in that realm there are psychics and there are soothsayers, there are seers, there are magicians, and um, it's all so very interesting. We've been forbidden in Deuteronomy to have anything to do with them, actually. We've, we've been cautioned. I do believe that they exist. I do believe that they have knowledge. I do believe they interact with us, you know, if, if we interact with them. Uh, they have ways of seeing things. I do believe that they talk to the dead. I do believe that they see spirits. I know that they do. Um, I also believe that some of us are very sensitive. Even myself, I'm very sensitive to anything. Of course, being involved in demonology, you do, you do uh, have that gift Um, given to you to be able to understand what's going on in that realm. But to answer your question, do I think that uh, that's something um, to be involved in, that we should be involved in? 
I don't think so. But I know that many of us do, and many people live by paying psychics to speak into their lives and guide them. But what does that remind you of? We're to be guided and spoken to by God. We're supposed to go in that direction with him. He's supposed to be our leader. He's supposed to be the one that gives us our information. So in a sense, it's putting the psychic in that place of God. Um, it's not for me. I've had many people speak to me and speak into my life and talk to me about these things and share things that they've seen. And uh, it's always spiritual, which is very interesting to me. They always see so many spiritual things. And I've listened to, to that and uh, some of them are very accurate mm -hmm. and others are so far away from fact and truth you know it isn't even funny they they don't even come close to what has happened or you know um i don't know why that is i guess there's good and there's bad in it it's just not for me yeah you know yeah i was gonna but say it's real it's very real <laughs> with the demonology side i would have to think you'd have to be somewhat sensitive and somewhat attuned because at least from some of the demonologists i'm friends with and have talked to Yes. They, they say you're always left a calling card before one comes calling. So they, they, they always leave some sort of a, whether it be physical or psychic calling card, they always let you know they're on their way um, by, by giving you some sort of a tip or tip off. It's very interesting. And I do believe that, you know, the Lord knew things and the prophets knew things and the teachers knew things. Uh, they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. not spirit, but the Holy Spirit. And his power usurps all powers. And and I, I guess I'm always shocked that uh, psychics would go to such lower realms for their information when they could go to the Holy Spirit, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, all-seeing, all-understanding. Um, so I do seek out the Holy Spirit. I don't seek out spirits, the lower realm. I, I'm looking at the higher realm. Do you think in your experience it takes a certain level of power of psychic in order to access the Holy Spirit? Do you think the Holy Spirit is a more powerful spirit than most? He is the most, he's the spirit of God and, and God is all knowing. So he's got to be, I don't think we can use him like a psychic. He's not to be used. He's, he's a source of, of truth and he teaches us and guides us and speaks to us. And um, so I'm not comparing him. I'm saying it just always surprises me that people seek out information from the lower realms you know, I'm seeking out God himself. I'm seeking out Jesus. I'm seeking out the Holy Spirit. It's an oracle, mm -hmm. you know, that there's three in one. But if you follow the 369 thing <laughs> in numerology, you you can see very clearly, you know, God's plan. It's all through numerology. It's all through um, mathematics. 
the vibrations of the earth, the res the resonance, everything. Everything has a vibration and it's all from God. So I've always wondered why, like I said, why psychics would even play with the realm of the dead or the lower realms or spirit realms and things like that when uh, they can't be trusted. <laughs> okay. Well, what is the, uh, in your mind, I, I won't say in your mind or, or even by definition, what is to you the difference between a prophet and a psychic? What, um, how do you tell the difference? If there, if there are two standing before you, how do you, how do you differentiate between a prophet and a psychic? Well, it's like in the book of Daniel, Daniel was a prophet and they had psychics brought in and Daniel could, uh, interpret dreams and they were accurate. He could do things that the others couldn't. But you know the Magi, M-A-G-I, mm -hmm. yep. magicians, they were magicians. So, you know, there's there's a big difference. Um, you, you look at that spiritual realm and the magicians and the seers and the soothsayers, so they used to call them in that day, the psychics, um, versus the prophets. The prophets knew and were accurate. The magicians and the seers and the psychics were going with what they heard. They weren't really getting it from a source of absolute fact. The prophets are getting it from a source of absolute fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's coming from God himself. So it's going to bear witness to God, bear witness to the spirit, bear witness to Jesus, bear witness to truth. And it isn't going to lead you astray. Whereas psychics can often lead you astray, give you bad information, give you wrong information, um, because it's not coming from a true source. It's coming from a source. It's definitely, they're definitely hearing from spirits but spirits can be deceiving. They can, you know, they can uh, be negative. Nothing about the prophet would be negative. Everything would be positive. So in my mind, in, in how I perceive it, that's what I see. And, and prophets are going to tell you exact truths. Whereas psychics are going to give you their best guess. Okay. That would never be good enough for me, a guessing game. Okay. So yeah. how, last <laughs> question here for you, Terry. How do you, for, I'm not talking for any particular chapter or strain of the any church, but for the church in general, how do you get them to reconcile? Let's say we we, we come across a an alien race or 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 one appears on the White House lawn, however it, it happens, or one appears in the news, and we discover that they make themselves known for the first time, and it, it gets put in a news report. And how do we, as the human race, reconcile that aliens are real? As a, as a race, as a human race, and it's been announced for the first time, and we, how do we reconcile it with religion because religion has you've had the pope say well if we've you know if we come across aliens well of course we'd accept them as god's children and they're welcome to be baptized and and he's he's you know he's put a although he kind of does it tongue-in-cheek you know he <laughs> he he says well they're welcome to be you know 
baptized as any of God's children are welcome to be. You know, he kind of throws the olive branch out there, but you can tell the tongue is fir- firmly in cheek. Um, but you almost get the the idea that, well, you know, we'll cross the bridge when we come to it. You know, they don't think that there's, you know, they they kind of play it off like, nah, nah, you know, what, whatever. Um, but you're saying it's a very real thing. Get ready for it, kids. It's It's going to happen. It is. It is very real. And um, I I think your question was, you know, how will Christianity handle that? Yeah. So how do do they reconcile it? How do they, how do they, because they're going to have to cross the bridge. So how do they reconcile it within their their own communities? Well, you know, that is a very good question. Many, uh, there, nothing about religion and Christianity uh, coincides with each other. Every There's so many different religions. There's so many different types of Christians. And uh, I don't necessarily think they're all in the same game. Mm-hmm. I am of the opinion that some are more cultish, some are more lost, uh, some are great and wonderful and doing the right thing. Uh, it's like the seven churches in, you know, um, the uh, gosh, what book are the seven churches in, in Revelation, uh, where God says, this I have against you, this I have against you, this I have against you. You know, uh, there's something wrong with so many of them except Philadelphia, which is the church of brotherly love, which I think is the actual church in and of itself, the actual body. So I think the actual body will, will understand anything God is doing, and they'll trust God in what he's doing. And if We've come to find out, and I'm not saying that we couldn't. Um, like I said, I don't know everything, you know. Mm-hmm. I I have to learn just like you do or anybody else does. Um, if we find out that extraterrestrials have some hybridization of the demonic realm or the spiritual realm or some other realm, it is very possible. They could just be another, you know, totally non-hybridization uh some of them may just be from other realms and and come here i believe that true christianity will accept whatever god shows them about it i don't know how the rest of the realms will take it in you know um of course we would uh just like we don't shoot horses or dogs or cats or frogs we're not going to shoot them. You know, we're going to be acceptant. Mm-hmm. We're going to love them. Uh, they're not like us. We're created in the triune and the three, you know, body, mind, and spirit. They aren't. They are not like us. We can't mate with them. We're completely other than them. So it isn't like we're going to be able to um, say that they're going to live in eternity I'm not thinking they're triune. I'm thinking they're body and soul, not spirit. So when they die, they're just dead. I don't believe that they live on. Um, So that's just how I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Could the Lord show me something different? Possibly. Um, I I don't really have a full, honest answer. I can only speak to what I actually know and that 
I don't know for certain how other people are going to react or what we're going to find out once it's all revealed. I want it's going to be very interesting, and I can't wait for it. I can't either. I, I want to throw one more <laughs> curveball at you here. Now, there supposedly have been, and it is reported, that there are alien-human hybrids that are, That's are walking right. among yes. us. And, and that there That's is an right. alien-human hybrid program. And so think about that. They're alien-human hybrid. Mm -hmm. That isn't something that God created. That's something man created. That's right. Yeah. So, so, if, if so, that, that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> if that is exposed to the human, or to to humans, to the to our population, and then eventually exposed to the church, mm -hmm. that's a whole nother ball game. Do it's you, a whole nother ball game, and you'll hear you'll hear me say, "You've got to be kidding! <laughs> what is this all about?" You know, there's so many possibilities, and I don't know God's mind. Nobody does. No mind has seen, no ear has heard, no or no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has ever conceived what God's possibilities are. Because we're not like him. He's so much greater than us, you know. Um, that's like the squirrel saying, you know, um, to a human, you know, I'm just like you. Uh, no, you're not. You know, we think we do this, we do that. We build homes, we have bank accounts and they don't, they live in trees and eat nuts. Okay. <laughs> We're kind of like the squirrel to God, you know, he lives in a third heaven and another, he, he even said, my kingdom is not of this world clue. That's a clue. You know, this isn't home for us. Uh, it's just a place that we've come to learn. It's a cocoon. It's a place where we come to, to learn about what that next realm will hold. So there's so many things we don't understand, Tim, and I'm not sure about all the answers, but I can honestly tell you, I'm always praying and looking for answers to things I don't understand because until my last breath, I'll be seeking to know. I'll be seeking to understand. So I'm always open. I remain open to other people's thoughts and what they know or what God may has spoken to them and not me. You know, I'm not the only one he speaks to. You know, I'm one of a million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't think I'm unique or special. I think I'm just one of his chosen. There's thousands of those that are chosen. Many are called, few are chosen, mm -hmm. but I still think the few are in the thousands upon thousands. And so, you know, um, we have, we all have a different part to play in this. And, and I'm open to seeing what God will do next, as, what will happen. <laughs> as am I. And, and you know, Terry, I, I, I guess I'll leave you with this thought. And that is, uh, I like to ask people who, who seem to think that there may be a limit to uh, on the table as to what may be acceptable and what isn't. I like to throw out the question is, do you think there's a limit to God's love? Because people seem to think there's a limit to what humans can handle. I don't think there's a limit to God's love. There you go. So why, why, there, why should there be a limit to what we can handle? I don't think there should be a limit to what we can handle. There you go. I think that we each make up, it's, it, we are free will. And I'm not limiting God on my free will. I'm saying my mind is open, my heart is open, my eyes are open. 
And I'm always searching for, you know, that next nugget of truth or what is possible. And I think that's why God has brought me through all of these experiences. He keeps showing me, Terry, there's more. There's so much that you don't understand is what he said to me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And I'm not the brightest star in the sky. I don't claim to be anybody other than I'm curious, I'm open, and I want to learn. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Terry Lynn Keel is our guest, uh, ufologist, demonologist, paranormal investigator, podcaster. We have a link in the description of this program so you can check out not only her podcast, which uh, is Enigmatic Anomalies, but her website and her blog as well. We have the links up in the description so you can check out everything Terry Ling Keel. Terry, I want to say I appreciate you. I thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, it's been eye-opening. It's been an experience. It's been educational. And uh, I want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you, Tim. I've totally enjoyed it. Thank you for asking me. As have I. And I want to thank you so much. And uh, let's do it again. Okay. Sounds good. I want to thank our guest, Terry Ling Keel, for being on the big program today. Again, her links are in the description of this program if you want to check her out, her blog and her book, and of course, her podcast. All her links available in the description of this program. I want to thank her so much for being on Darkness Radio today, and hopefully we can bring her back on again because, like I said, she's got some amazing uh, experiences to bring to the program, and I'm sure you'll be interested in hearing some more stories from her in the future. Folks, as we uh, come into the Christmas holiday, I, uh, and then, of course, Kwanzaa coming up uh, afterwards, I want to remind people that it's really a, an unusual time of year, I'll tell you. There are a lot of us, the majority of us have friends and family to spend the holiday with. I say an unusual time of year because, you know, I've been in a business now for 35 years, if not longer, that... You spend a lot of time on the road. You spend a lot of time by yourself. And I've I've had the good fortune of being able to have people in my life in times where I haven't been able to be around my family uh, that have filled that void and been family for me. And they've stepped up to be family. And we've had dinner around the table and and those people have meant a lot to me and and have shared food, shared friendship, kinship, and let me know that I meant something special to them just as much as as they've meant to me. And that's really been something special. It reminds me that, you know, you don't have to be blood to be family. I want to stress to you that there are going to be people that are going to need you on that day. It's not all necessary. And you know this, it's not about gifts. It's not about um, material goods on Christmas. It's really about being there for each other on Christmas and, and the fellowship of man. And I know you're saying, Tim, you're losing the reason for the season. I'm not, I, I, I get it. (laughs) I get the religious implication of Christmas as well. But there are going to be some people who will be hurting on Christmas, who are going to need to hear from you. And there is a part of you that's going to need to be somewhat intuitive on the holiday and is going to need to be thinking outside of yourself 
It might have to pick up the phone. Yes, use the actual phone portion of your phone or send a text or a message and just say, hey, bud, I'm thinking about you. Or you know what? You mean something to me today. Or, you know, I, I couldn't help but think about you today. Merry Christmas. Just a nice, thoughtful message on a day like today because a lot of people are struggling today. Keep in mind, this isn't Christmas. I know it's Thursday. But a lot of people are dreading that, that holiday coming up, especially being that it falls on a weekend. Weekends can be particularly lonely, too. Now, I'll be spending time with family, and I'll be trying to send out as many messages as I can. I tend to get really insular on, on holidays. I tend to spend my time with my family, and my time is my own sometimes. But I try to send out as many messages as I can. Although I get my family yelling at me to get off my phone. <laughs> that just happens. But before I do that, I, I want to let you guys know that you are, as well, my family. And I, I really genuinely care about you. And, and I want you to know, before I leave for the weekend, that my gift to you over that long weekend, that holiday weekend is that I will be with you. I, I will have shows for you. Because I realize that that weekend can be tough if there's nobody there. We've tried in the past to be here for you on holidays, to have new programs, because we realize that it's easy for a network or other shows to take off and want to be with family and friends. And it's easy to, it's easy to leave. It's harder to stay. So Christmas Day falls on True Crime Tuesday. So, yeah, there might be a little grizzly. We're going to play up the haha and the funny and not so much the grizzly. We might talk about Christmas murders for a little bit on Christmas. And then we'll do a whole lot of dumb crime, stupid criminals and, and have some fun. And we'll talk a little bit more on Christmas. Bruiser and I will. And then Wednesday, the day after Christmas, of course, on Boxing Day, we'll uh, we'll we'll do supernatural news. So it'll be a lighthearted, more fun week. And then we'll have Be uh, Bill Bean on, on Thursday. So it'll be a more lighter week next week. Wednesday, Wednesday is Kwanzaa and it's boxing day, I believe. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a lighter week nonetheless. But the idea is that we're going to be with you throughout the holiday week. Now, the majority of people out there are just fine and will be just fine throughout the holiday week. But we're all going to be missing people that have gone before us. I know I'm going to be missing people that have gone before me. There's, there's people I'm missing that I wish were here that, would, that were holding up those holiday traditions that, you know, we try, to, we try our best to keep those holiday traditions going. But sometimes we fail miserably. <laughs> But we try, but we keep those people in our hearts and our minds and we move forward. Remember, you got to do your part to try and keep those traditions going. But in the meantime, also do your part not to stay isolated. You have to do your part to keep those traditions alive. They don't end with you. Pass them on to someone, anyone someone you care about. It doesn't have to be blood to be family, right? 
So if you are by yourself on this holiday, do something good for someone else. Whether it be to go to a soup kitchen and put in time helping others, feeding others, whether you're going whether you're going to a movie on Christmas and just saying hi to the people at the theater, whether you're doing something to get out and just make contact, human contact, that's what matters on Christmas. Putting a smile on somebody's face on Christmas. I hope that Bruiser and I can put a smile on your face on Christmas. We're sure going to try. Whether we succeed or not, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say. But that's going to be our goal. That's our gift to you. Sure, you can't return it. I'm sorry. It doesn't have a price tag. But, eh. Unless you file a class action lawsuit. I don't know. Eh, I'm not going to put ideas in your head, but... You figure it out from there. So that'll do it for this week's Darkness Radio. Again, I want to thank you and tell you that I am forever grateful that you are part of our family here at Darkness Radio. And I'm glad to be spending Christmas with you. And I greatly appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend over the Christmas holiday. Tell a family member. Let them know where you found us. And turn them on to us. That's all we can ask. Give the gift of the supernatural and paranormal through Darkness Radio. That's all we can ask. So, for Beer City Bruiser, for Mally Fox, for Jessica Freeberg, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for tuning in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. Darkness Radio.